So, what do we start with? Do we start with the big one? Yeah, yeah, let's kick it off hot, hot and heavy. went to the Great Wolf Lodge to have just like a casual business meeting and it's just like row after row of like wet child in a towel in a bathing suit and we immediately were like nope. Dan who was on last week found this podcast because I was on Tim Schmoyer's podcast but that's how you build. There is no shortage of outstanding ideas. It's staggering that something like 87% of podcasts don't make it past episode 10. No matter what my mom says about how special and what a great runner I am, Bradley over here is going to beat me in a race every single time, and I need to get comfortable with that. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am a recently vaccinated Kevin Lieber, working on about 40% of optimal energy at the moment. <laughs> and with me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. The unvaccinated Matthew Tabor. Uh, I, you know, it's funny that that uh, you mentioned this. I, I saw that Drunken Peasants, if anybody, they're, they're a, a podcast that's been around a long time. Um, Billy the Fridge is is uh on that and i like him quite a lot uh but they talked about one of them talked about getting their vaccines or something on a live stream and and they got like a strike or something they got demonetized restricted they got dinged youtube dinged them for talking vaccines even though it's not it's not like they were you know debating the merits of the thing they were like no we're, we're getting this and i guess it just triggered a triggered a ding yeah yeah yeah, the, the way that that works now is getting weirder and weirder because obviously there's so much stuff on YouTube. There's so many billions of hours uploaded every minute that yeah. all, that stuff is all automated. But at the same time, it's like so frightening that you can't even mention certain words w without getting in trouble, regardless of the context or intent. They did say they were loosening their policy on things like educational channels, which we have uh, uh, friends who are in that game. Um, Sean Malone's Out of Frame. We had an episode with Sean a while back. Uh, Out of Frame is essentially an educational channel for an economics organization. Yeah, he looks at, at movies, um, you know, things like Marvel movies uh, and TV shows uh, for uh, themes in them uh, for you know, economics and social issues and this and that. But uh, there's nothing wrong with this content. There's nothing objectionable about it. But just simply talking about current events, lately almost every video has been either demonetized or age-restricted for absolutely no reason. Uh, so they're getting a little bit better. But uh, has somebody figured out how many humans it would take to review all the uploaded stuff in real time? Because I, I want to come up with a mental picture of how big this factory would need to be this content review factory oh man i don't i don't know if there are as many people enough people in the world to do that because they have to be yeah but the hours and hours and hours it's it's like a it's like a time problem cuz one video could be 
three hours. You know how many people live in China and India, though? I mean, you know, if you want to get like Rhode Island to do it, then, yeah, it's probably too much for them. But there have to be there have to be like millions and millions of people somewhere who could just review eight hours of video content a day as it gets posted then we'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll have to crunch some numbers on that. <laughs> I don't think there's enough. I just, uh, I don't. I think there's too many videos. This too, they're, they're too long. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we, we can do it, but yeah, it's it's definitely we'll a weird thing. The other weird thing is I, I got locked up recently on Vsauce 2 with this new check system where it delayed a video by a full day because oh, right. there's yeah. a whole new thing called checks and the the checks system checks to see if your video is suitable for advertising um and it's this whole other process that needs to screen your content ahead of time before it will allow you to monetize the video um right. and, and this is for your own good this is so that you know if there's any copyrighted material or anything like that that well, that's how they frame it, but it's like, well, listen, yeah. I have uploaded hundreds of videos over the course of a decade <laughs> on this platform, and uh, I have not had a whole lot of trouble with you know being demonetized or the the yellow symbol well, or whatever. Um, this is really not for my be, own good. Yeah, you think it would be optional though? Like, if you want to turn that off, then fine. This person rolls the dice if they use copyrighted material. The system flags it, then the copyright holder gets the revenue. Boom. You know, they, they rolled the dice and, and they lost, but their video is still up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this weird thing where they're saying it'll save you time because it's checking the video before it's uploaded, but it cost yeah. me time because it got trapped in a, a check loop and there was a bug <laughs> So it was just checking forever and ever and ever. The first time I uploaded, it was checking for five hours. I deleted it. Then it was 15 hours. I deleted it. Then it was one hour. I deleted it. So they, they're like trying to, by trying to solve a problem that I didn't have, they caused a problem that I then had. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> guys, um, you made life so much harder with your attempt to make life oh. easier. Which I think is a thing that we do as human beings sometimes is we come up with things in the hopes of making yeah. things less complicated and they end up making yeah. things more complicated. So we were talking and before we hit record, we were talking with uh, people in the episode chat. I was talking about um, Wi-Fi enabled lighting, something I didn't think about. Uh, you know, you set the Wi-Fi enabled lighting, which it's amazing to tell a thing to turn off your downstairs, go to bed, not spend five minutes turning off every light and, and doing that. And you know it's done. That's cool. However, um, I, I, I pretty much did that around January. Um, last week, the power went out. And when the power went out, it didn't just caught. It flickers for a while and it flickered you know, like 10 times in a row. Well, the, the way to factory reset almost every light bulb that's a Wi-Fi bulb is to turn it off and on five times in succession, and that resets it. So the flickering power reset like 
18 bulbs in my house. <laughs> and so I had to go and, and reset those. And I was like, God, I saved five minutes, but now I have to spend an hour, uh, you know, dealing with this weird little thing I didn't anticipate. And so yeah. the overall calculus of that, I will see how often it happens. I can handle that once a year, but if, you know, I have a lot of power issues. And so if it flicker resets, like, Five times this summer, I am going to rage. I am going to go absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Yeah, it'll totally wipe out your your efficiency gains oh. <laughs> by just yes. not flicking <laughs> yeah. the lights on and off manually. <laughs> it's like seeing your portfolio go up and up and up and then just bam, it's at zero Crash. overnight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, as much fun as it is for me to complain about my, uh, my YouTube problems, we have a lot of things that we have been working on that I'd love to announce and, and discuss. And, you know, I feel like, things. I mean, I haven't been around in a couple of weeks and, um, I've just been working on so many different projects. And then, um, and then last week with the vaccine, I've just been barely awake for the last almost yeah. week now. So it's nice to at least be able to do something like this productive because I've been going a little stir crazy sleeping all day. As weird as that sounds, it bothers me. It could be worse. I mean, have you at least, are you capable of playing video games in this altered half state of life? Not really. That's the problem. Like I can't really read or like play video games because I don't feel well enough to focus on anything. You know, today has been better uh, than it has been the past you know, four and a half days. But um, yeah, that's the annoying part is like you think to yourself, all right, well, I'm going to take a much needed break and just kick back and, you know, catch up on this book that I've been uh, putting off because I'm work too much. And then instead, I'm just like in the field position on the couch all day, like <laughs> this blows. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome for like a day, a couple days, a couple days of vacation is fine, like a weekend. Um yeah, once you hit like days four and five, if you don't have something that's kind of well established for a purpose or whatever, uh, then you've just found a new rut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do we start with? Do we start with the big one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's kick it off hot, hot and heavy. Are you going to do it or should I? No, no, Who's no. Who's going to pull the trigger? That's all you, man. That's all you. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let's see who said this in episode chat. Oh, it's Chinchilla uh, talking about some changes that that we've been mention, mentioning, you know, might potentially happen. Uh, we today have signed a contract to join Studio 71's excellent network of podcasts for the next 52 weeks and 52 episodes. Uh, so this is one of the reasons why we had to take a couple weeks, a little bit light. Uh, Kevin being ill, you know, was a separate issue. Um, but yeah, we wanted to know exactly where we were going to be before we booked out a bunch of guests. Once we got this settled, we booked um, the next four or five weeks straight away. Dan handled that. Um, if you're not familiar with Dan, listen to the episode that's now on Patreon and will be dropped by the time this one's out. It'll be out tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, we have a good sense of what the future entails here. Um, who else, Kevin, who else is, is in the network? 
Well, uh, Marquez Brownlee is in the network. He is I've heard of him. Yes. He is kind of a big deal. Uh, I am also in his YouTube original called Retro Tech. The new season drops next week, I believe, and you will see a cameo by yours truly talking about teleportation. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, because I, I did a, a video a long time ago called Where's Our Future Technology? It was a Thought Glass episode that actually Bill Nye had a cameo in at the end. Oh, I remember that. So, yeah. yeah, I did a bunch of research at that time on the actual scientific viability of teleportation. So, you know, I was kind of familiar with quantum entanglement and stuff like that. So, yeah, they, they reached out to me and I shot a bit with him months ago now. I don't even remember when that was. It was, oh, in, it was in the fall 20. Yeah. It was 2020 for sure. Yeah, It was last year. In the um, fall. Um, yeah. And his podcast uh, with studio 71, I think it's called waveform, uh, but it's missing its vowels. I think kind of like, uh, MK BHD. Yeah. VZ J et cetera. Um, yeah, I think it's waveform. Uh, and it's, it's great. It's excellent. He's excellent. That's cool. Um, John Taffer is within the Studio 71 network. I like John Taffer a lot. Um, I like, you know, he's based out of Las Vegas. I spent a lot of time there and have for a lot of years. He's the host uh, of Bar so Rescue on, on Paramount. Bar Rescue, yes. Yeah, which That's right. I have watched I love. a <laughs> great deal of that show uh, just because I spent, you know, a decade working in bars mm -hmm. that watching that show is really, really enjoyable for me because I know that industry. I know that business and it is phenomenal to see for anybody who doesn't know. Okay. A bar is one of the easiest. Well, sounds pandemic. <laughs> if there's no pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Just, uh, let's create that caveat first. Uh, and also depending upon kind of like the regulations of where you're at and that sort of thing. It, it can be difficult depending on where you're opening the bar. But all things equal, a bar is a really easy business to run because the margins are really, really high, especially on liquor, beer less so. But on liquor, your margins are crazy They're and there's high, not yeah. a lot of overhead and liquor doesn't spoil so you can have it yeah. on the shelf for a really long time and you don't have to like throw away that bottle of Crown Royal that you haven't sold in three months because <laughs> it's exactly the same as it was three months ago. Um, it's <laughs> But that's the challenge, though, is that you're saying it's a set of basics like, you know, it, what you described with inventory. That's a nice thing. But you've got to nail inventory management. You've got to nail ordering. You've got to nail staffing. you got to nail... Uh, you know, it, pricing and all of that. But those are all basic things with their basic with stuff. You got to do that yeah. with any business and with alcohol yeah. sales. There's just, it's just the, it's like training wheels. It's like a restaurant on easy mode. Like restaurants are really hard because if food goes bad, <laughs> you can yeah. potentially make people sick. Um, you have to throw away the, the overhead costs are crazy because you have so many servers as well as the entire kitchen with a bar. You can have some dive bar with one bartender. You have one person on staff and, and these people on bar rescue manage to just mess it up. So usually because the owner is like a drunk and is wasted all the time and, and then the bartenders are wasted all the time yeah. and they just give away all the drinks and they don't make any money. That's like 
yeah. usually why that goes wrong. But yes. They get lazy and bad with the management stuff and then it spirals out of control and they stop hitting those basics, even yep. down to cleanliness. Cleanliness. I mean, if your staffing is bad. That's yeah. one of the biggest ones. That's one of the best. Yeah. Dude, this is, yeah, exactly. You have to keep the place clean. You have to not give away, you know, more drinks than you sell, you sell. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that's essentially it um and don't like you know get arrested or have terrible bar fights where the cops show up you know those things are bad but otherwise um it's 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 pretty straightforward but you can see how people mess that up and that's what's interesting about that oh, to yeah. me and it's something you know that's of interest i think for this podcast where people are entrepreneurs and they're starting their own business and trying to figure out how to make things work. And they're trying to figure out how to, you know, how do I hire an editor, et cetera, et cetera. I like shows like bar rescue because even though it's a different in industry, so many of the principles are the same oh, and they're foundational. It really is. And, um, you can, you can learn a lot from seeing how other people do things the wrong way. We, how many times over the years have we referenced, um, what's Marcus Lemonis's show? I can't think the of the profit, name. the profit. Yeah. Shows like the profit bar rescue, like a situation will pop up regarding YouTube and it'll be like, Oh, do you remember that one where it was like the amplifier company and they had this problem? It's, it's all the same stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I just remembered something, uh, since we talked VidCon a couple weeks ago, do you remember accidentally going to the bar? That was in Bar Rescue at VidCon in 2019. I didn't go in there. It what? It was. Yeah, you did. What? We met a guy there. Yeah, we met somebody there. We had a, a couple beers, and I was like, I know this place is familiar. Uh, and then I looked it up on my phone because first oh. we went to the Great Wolf Lodge or whatever, and that was weird because oh, you yes. don't meet for drinks when they're like kids in bathing suits. That's strange. So we just uh, grabbed an Uber to you know like local dive bar <laughs> kind of thing. And like, we, I, I gotta say. We didn't even go in because we went. We, no. <laughs> we, <laughs> we went to the Great Wolf Lodge to have uh, drinks with this person, uh, just like a casual business meeting, and it's just like row after row of like wet child in in, in a towel in a bathing suit, and we immediately were like, "Nope, we gotta nope. get out of here!" And like without question, I'm not even setting foot in this place. We are not meeting here to have like a casual business meeting no, and we just turned it, around and left right away what were we going to do walk in and have uh, the host or hostess say like oh would you like a table for three 20 30 something men <laughs> yeah, like, in, in this like mcdonald's play pit of a place no, god it was weird the, 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 the red flags would have shot up we would have had security <laughs> watching us the whole time yeah. oh man it would have been Bad, yeah. So we immediately went. Especially because we just want some drinks. Like, yeah, <laughs> know, let's sit in the middle of let's sit in the middle of Pee Wee's Playhouse and just bring the bottle. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just have some beers in the ball pit. What could go wrong? It was like <laughs> we just immediately walked back to the Uber and we're like, "Yeah, you got to take us someplace else." <laughs> Well, the place was good, though, you know, kind of like a dive sports bar kind of thing right to, right near the convention center in, in Anaheim. So it would be a cool place to go back to uh, in October. Yeah, it was a nice bar, but it was cool to sit there and just be like, I know this name and this is kind of familiar, uh, kind of came back to me 
you know, how they did the rebrand on the show. So that was cool. Uh, another podcast on Studio 71 is one of your one of your personal comedy heroes. It's not who Bob Saget. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, no, he's he's my sitcom dad hero. I mean, That's I have fair. seen a lot of. Well, no, I've seen all of Full House. What I should say a lot of times. <laughs> that was oh, just one of those shows. There were like, it's like a rotation of four shows that were on syndication nonstop. You know, when I was in probably middle school and it was like Saved by the Bell, Full House, yeah, Simpsons, and uh, uh, every day after school, just watch those over and over again. So yeah, Bob Saget is, uh, he has a podcast on Studio 71. So just, just throwing that out there. If he wants to do a little TCU appearance, I'd be open oh, that for would that. Be awesome. Yeah. That would be very cool. Um, but, uh, this, yeah, first of all, this happened because we got to a good place, uh, with the community really like this sounds a little bit maudlin, a little bit sappy, uh, but without, without everybody on Patreon, without, uh, everybody on Discord, keeping the daily stuff going without all the YouTube subscribers, the, the Spotify people, um, we're on episode 80 something, something right now. And we simply 86, it appears 86. Um, yeah, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't have gotten here, uh, without everybody pushing us along and keeping us afloat. And it's amazing that an outfit like studio 71, uh, decided to take a shot on us because they do work with a lot of very large podcasts. We have, we're great in our niche. I'm comfortable saying that we have an excellent community. We're very good, uh, in, in terms of that community, but it's not, you know, 20 million people burning up the servers every time, uh, an audio episode is released. Uh, so to get their interest there was an excellent thing. Um, and it seemed like the right time. And that's, I think that's a topic worth discussing how, how you do that, how you make that judgment call, how you pursue, uh, pursue that. But in terms of changes, um, you know, we're going to be able to, uh, have a little bit more outreach with guests, which is very cool. Distribution is cleaner and more efficient. Nothing will change for anybody, uh, subscribing, you know, it's all stuff on our end. Uh, we're going to keep TCU night as it is, uh, it's really just changes our process and timelines on editing and releasing episodes and working closely with them on, you know, kind of building the show out. Uh, but it's something that we've worked on for a long time. I, I don't even remember when we started talking to them. Uh, it was so long ago. It must've uh, been six months, maybe more. I think it was about six. Yeah. Um, it was around that. I think we have this email chain that is, you know, eventually like 98 messages long. <laughs> and I wonder when that one began. Uh, October 22nd was, was the first, uh, talk about it. There so, so what is that? That's six months, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But here we are. And I think it's, I think it's a good thing and the right time for us to branch out a little bit. Yeah, and and I, I do want to piggyback a little bit. I do want to slurp our our listeners more because I was I was also thinking about it the other day, and there's just no way 
it's not hyperbolic for me to say there's just no way this podcast would have continued at all without our patrons. It just couldn't have continued without our patrons. Like people need to realize that when it comes to things like YouTube, when it comes to things like podcasts, you have to be at a really high level to sustain the costs of doing those things with the content itself in terms of ad revenue uh, on YouTube, you know, it's AdSense, you know, on YouTube, you have to be getting a lot of views just Mm -hmm. to be able to pay, you know, for your food and maybe your rent by making YouTube videos, let alone being able to pay an editor or, you know, hire somebody to make a thumbnail for you, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And on, on the podcast side, there, there are a lot of hidden costs to podcasts that, that really aren't associated in a lot of ways, I think, with, with YouTube. With YouTube, you have the equipment and your time. So depending on yep. what type of equipment you're using, that can be very costly or it could be very minimal. And depending on how much time you have, you know, maybe you have a lot, maybe you have a little, whatever. We've talked to a range of creators who had recently quit their job or were about to quit their job or whatever to become full-time YouTubers with podcasts, you know, you, there are a lot of services you just need to pay for just to get your stuff out there, just to get your podcast distributed. You know, even, even something like SoundCloud is not free to upload podcasts to. It's like 15 a month. And, you know, you can, you can make a bunch of sacrifices. Like you're talking subscriptions. You can, uh, edit a thing in audacity and that's free. Uh, you can, Pony up for some plugins and use, you know, Adobe uh, Audition, but then you're looking at, you know, fairly hefty monthly subscription fee. Like all of these things add up. We have a a service that uh, makes a transcript of every episode so that Ben can go through the transcript and find snippets easily enough to make the intro, you know, the 90-second intro to the episode. Uh, That's another little thing. And none of it is super expensive on its own. But when you put all of those things together, it's a lot of money. And when you start paying people, you know, we don't pay millions for these things because we can't. But we do you know, we do value everybody's time who who's worked with us and do the very best we can for it. Um, that's something that I mentioned Sean Malone on the educational channel side. He is extremely experienced in building out teams to do this stuff. And I went to a panel of his several years ago where he explained how important it is to pay everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Like getting the occasional favor for free is cool, but if you're doing a shoot, if you're doing, you know, editing, stuff like that, man, you just got to pay people, even if it's not tons. So we, yeah, we were able to get to this place where somebody would give us a chance. And that somebody was Studio 71. We got there because uh, because of the audience support. Uh, and that's that's really an amazing thing. We, yeah, we just would not... I'm trying to estimate at what point we would have given it up. I'd say in the teens, late teens, maybe episode 20 around there, we would have been able to, we had a, had a tough time continuing. Does that sound right? Well, um, maybe I, in the 20s. I don't remember what episode we, we 
you know, we launched the the Patreon, but that that really kind of was in a lot of ways like that phase. Uh, if anybody's been listening to the yeah. podcast since the beginning, which I know a lot of you have, we have gone through different phases um, that have been like publicly announced phase one, phase two, phase three. The Patreon phase in full disclosure was our last attempt, like valiant attempt at making this podcast work. <laughs> it really yep. was our last ditch effort to say, Hey, you know, people do like this. Hopefully enough of them are willing to support it so that we can pay people, you know, like Ben and like Dan and pay for Mm -hmm. all of the services that we have to, uh, to keep the thing running so that we can continue to, to, to put it out because, uh, on a personal level, I love just being able to meet the creators that we talk to it. When I, was first really interested in doing this podcast, it, 99% of it was just as an excuse to talk to creators because, and, and maybe I, I'm repeating myself and I've, and I've, and I've said this before in, in previous recordings, but the one thing, the one thing I like about VidCon is talking to people who do what I do, but do it differently and come from a different place and they have a different background they have a different set of challenges, but then they also have a lot of the same challenges and it's just really nice to talk to people like uh like joe hansen from it's okay to be smart who will be you know a future guest on this podcast i'm not doing that unless i i bump into him at vidcon or i have an excuse to say hey joe i have a podcast i would like you to come on to it so that you and i can chat for you know an hour and a half about here's what i'm seeing i want to hear what you're seeing and you know, I'm, I'm just not like a chatty guy, so I don't talk a lot unless I have to almost build in a reason to. And this is that built in yeah. reason to, because ultimately, even though I'm not an extrovert and I'm not a chatty guy, I'm fascinated by what other people are doing. And I'm fascinated by hearing what it is that they're troubled by and what it is that they're excited about. I like that we get a range of different solutions. So we're talking you know, about to talk about, you know, taking something to a next step, blowing it up, whatever. This is the opposite of what Meat Canyon did. Meat Canyon wanted to do a thing rather than go through a production company, a network, anything like that. He's like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to DIY the whole thing and it's working. So we get to, uh, you know, we get to talk to people who do it one way and people who do it the other. Uh, and, you know, that that DIY network type thing is kind of the antithesis of what we would do. And that's okay. It's completely valid. It, if, it, if you can pull it off, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice that, you know, if I were sitting down with somebody, I would say very different things to them about how to proceed. So now we can draw out a completely different, awesome, valid, successful answer that is different than than what we would say. Mm-hmm. And you just can't, you can't do that alone. What am I going to do? Just be like, well, I think you should do the stuff in column A. But I do know that some people do what's in column B. No, it's not the same. You need the column B guy talking about the details of what he's doing and why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, just like Papa Meat did. Um, and, and the only way to do that is to have an ongoing perpetual discussion about uh, a lot of these topics with a massive range of people. Joe Hansen is not Meat Canyon. You know, they're, they're just radically different entities. Um, 
and we got to hit them all. We got to hit them all. You know, you got to get the food for dogs and you got to get the uh, psychic pebbles. You know, maybe one day we can have these, we can have like weird mashup episodes where like we get psychic pebbles and food for dogs together <laughs> just to see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. That- the toothpaste and orange juice series. <laughs> I bet they would, they would get along wonderfully. You know, they're both such kind yeah. people. I-, I think it would be wildly funny. Yeah. They're both great, but yeah, that's, you so, know, we don't have to gush further, but again, like, yeah. Thank you to everybody who has stuck with us. Thank you to our patrons who have uh, supported the show literally financially in order for us to get to a, a point where we're ready to move on to the next chapter, to phase four, as it were. Since episode 14, Chinchilla just popped it in the episode chat that, uh, yeah, episode 14 was that that next move for us uh, where the Patreon popped out. Um yeah, so it's been a while, you know, it's been a while, 72 episodes. Um, that's cool. But along along the way on this process, Kevin, you had a way of putting it that that we really need to talk about uh, having to do with the island, you know. So uh, the opportunities that this should have with distribution and networking and stuff like that, that's very cool and that's nice. But you realized a while ago, back in the fall, that, that six months ago, uh, that we had to make a change because of where we were at. So if you can explain that being on the island philosophy. Sure, yeah. And I think that this extends to, like the, the easiest analogy I can think of the island is um, like music scenes. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot easier for, for bands to get noticed when they're part of a scene of other bands that are kind of like them because if you're a big fan of you know Alice in Chains maybe you also like Nirvana oh you like them maybe you like this Pearl Jam band over here like all of a sudden there's this webbing that occurs where yeah. you have some sort of connective tissue so that you're bringing in people uh, organically to find out about you um otherwise you're you're on what I call an island, and you know TCU really has been on an island. And the a major impetus for joining Studio Seventy One is to get off that island, and to be part of a scene, to be part of you know Studio Seventy One's podcast network, but also their scene, and to be involved in you know events that they're part of, um, opportunities that, that that may arise with whether it's guests coming on our show or us going on other people's shows yes you know maybe uh maybe bob saget really needs a science communicator on his show <laughs> i don't know uh you know, <laughs> but it's possible. i can see a topic like is it viable like can you make science funny can you make math funny that's a valid topic for a comedian to discuss it's not out of the realm of possibilities that there's crossover with with a lot of these things, even the even somebody like uh, John Taffer, we just discussed how the basics that happen in that one niche industry actually are completely relevant to the stuff we do on YouTube. Yeah. Um, no, wait. That's it, all good stuff. And it's hotelling's law. Yeah, that's 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 probably accurate. It's like hotelling's law. They're all law. so close. Yeah. So if if anyone's unfamiliar, what what video was that? There was a Vsauce two video where we talked about oh. hotelling's law. 
Um, God, I don't know. It's it all the, one big video in my head. Yeah, I think it was the uh, this this like the seven objects that explain your world episode. I'm Maybe. pretty sure the one with the folding the piece of paper in the thumbnail. The paper is the size of the universe. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was that episode. It was hoteling saw. Yeah. But anyway, it explains why gas stations are all next to each other, and explains why fast food fast too, yeah. food is next to each other. It explains why hotels are often all next yeah. to each other because uh, there are economic reasons for that. It it reduces the the competition in terms of splitting customers by distance and increases your chance to lure in customers with things like better service or better prices uh, rather than being on that island, that proverbial island. So rather than us trying to convince people, hey, you know, we are such a good podcast that you need to swim to our island. Instead, it's like, oh, here is a city of podcasts. And, uh, (laughs) you know, let me check out this one, the Create Unknown. What's that? And Chinchilla has a good point in the episode chat here that uh, he says, I feel like podcasts are more difficult to form that web. It absolutely is. That's easier with straight up YouTube content for two reasons. Um, It's YouTube people are really accessible and they want to, you know, they want to talk to the people who are in their realm. You know, they want to talk shop about. Uh, you know, the stuff they do. And that's how the Twitter group chats form and the Discord servers and all that. That's really cool. But uh, also uh, discoverability by by the audience is really good on, on YouTube. There's been a lot of talk about how Twitch doesn't have that with streaming the way YouTube has with, with streaming. And so YouTube has the advantage. Well, with podcasts, eh, most podcast platforms, they're not... They're not great at forming, uh, allowing you to form that network very, very, very easily, Uh, you know, both on the audience side and the creator side. Spotify is is probably the best of all of them at doing that. But still, it's really hard Mm -hmm. if you can get if you can get some help with that, if you can get uh, a cult to join so much, the better. It's really necessary sometimes. And I do think that uh, it's more of. More of an asset and more necessary to do with podcasts than some of the other media. But it was time. We'd done our thing. We had a good core of people uh, everywhere from Discord to Patreon to YouTube to Twitter to all that. Uh, but, you know, we we need to make it easier for, like Kevin said, us to be on other shows. We love doing that. I really love doing it. Uh, Dan, who was on last week found this podcast because uh, I was on Tim Schmoyer's podcast a long time ago. Uh, Tim is very good with with YouTube stuff, video creators, that's right. Uh, he's got kind of a, a an academy for YouTube creation. He's excellent. He's an awesome guy. Uh, and I jumped on that podcast to talk about, you know, the process on Vsauce 2 and things like that. Uh, without that, we never come across Dan and that's been an excellent thing for us, but that's how you build, you know, that's how you build. And if you're a band, like you said, Kevin, uh, imagine if you played in one bar on Friday nights, all your life, how many people are going to know that your band exists as opposed to like spreading around the city? Yeah. Well, and also for people who have gone to shows, I mean, uh, a lot of people don't, I should say, a lot of people don't show up for the opening bands, but I love 
go getting to shows early to see the opening bands because I've ne you, you've never heard of the opening band almost 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 never um, unless for some reason you just do love this unknown uh, like tiny band that you're like friends with them but usually you know most shows they have the headliner maybe a co-headliner and then like two bands that are tiny and you never heard of. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's 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 how it th works. They are being attached to, you know, opening for Mastodon or opening for Cradle of Filth or whomever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, that band was really awesome. There are bands that I hated who I saw co-headline or open for bands who I loved and they were so good live, I ended up liking them afterwards. So Cool. If that doesn't prove the point, I don't really know what does. Yeah, it's just a necessary thing. And I think it's hard to uh, it's hard to get your mind around that for a lot of people. And I see this with I say small in they're actually not small, uh, but in like the grand ecosystem of YouTube, uh, you know, 10,000, 5,000, 10,000 subs is is small. Um, I, I've mentioned Mini Kudos a lot lately. He's a, an example of a guy who's done it very, very well. I don't know if anybody has done it better who I know personally than Mini Kudos. When I met him, he had 600 subs. I met him out in Australia. Uh, oh, Isaac says he's blown up on, on TikTok. I didn't even know that. Um, and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to Google his YouTube channel here to see what his current stats are as I talk about this. So he had 600 subs. Uh, I met him through Changer Studios. Changer, a bunch of awesome guys. But that's step number one. He went to Changer and got into their programs about developing his YouTube. He had 600 subs. That was the time for him to learn a bit more about how to do this stuff. And he met people. It started to pay off. Well, he met guys like Internet Historian. Um, you know, he met people like me. It's not like I was integral to his success, but we've been able to talk a lot over the last year and a half about all sorts of YouTube issues, and it's good to have friends like that. Uh, he's not aggressive and weird about it at all. That's the best part. He, he just recognizes that there's value in knowing other people and knowing what they do and asking them for help. Well, he made videos and kept making videos, and one popped off uh, right after we had him on. Uh, really popped off. He was around 10,000 a year after I met him. We had him on this episode, and that week he blew up to like 50, 60,000. Now, he is at 87,300. Uh, he just did a Cyberpunk 2077 uh, disastrous development featuring, featuring Internet Historian. There's a very cool create unknown Easter egg in that video. See if you can spot it. Um, but the the kid is pushing 100k here. He's probably going to be there relatively soon, a couple weeks, I bet. And that's from several hundred subs. But he did what we're advocating. He got to know people. It worked out. Cemento Media. Cement has been excellent at doing exactly this kind of thing in a way that's not weird. It's not needy. It's not obnoxious. It's uh, nobody has with these guys. Nobody has ever felt like the person was using them for clout, for views, for juice. Uh, it's just not like that. 
they sincerely want to get off that island. Like, hey, you're not on the island. You're somewhere else. Uh, What did you do to get there? And people will tell you. They just will tell you. Uh, I know I'm in the middle of a long rant here, but there's something right on this that I was discussing with uh, Dan the Latch the other day. Uh, I talked to Dan about how he wanted to play around in the media game, you know, and kind of get uh, break into that a little bit and poke around, see what it's like. Well, we we got him a line on a potential internship that's roughly in his part of the country. That's because he asked, and I was talking to Dan about this yesterday, um, the sheer number of people who should ask for help and don't is staggering. Like five people have sent messages, a couple kids on LinkedIn, which is cool, uh, a couple on Twitter, uh, a couple on Discord, but in like two years, three years, it's not over 10. And those 10 people are the ones who want to get off the island. They recognize that they need to just know more people. Mm-hmm. They need to talk about all of this stuff. And almost without fail, it works. <laughs> like, the number one sign that somebody is going to be successful is probably them asking you a question. <laughs> if I had to like identify one amazing trait. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when I mentioned this, that like five people have asked on Discord in three years, you know, he responded with, really, that seems way too low. Yeah, and it is too low. It's insanely low. It should be 500, knowing all the creatives we talk to and listen to and interact with. You know, 495 of them are on an island. And mm-hmm. you've got to recognize that uh, that things are, are better when you're not alone on that, when you can take advantage of expertise, whether it's my style, whether it's Meat Canyon style, whether it's Kevin's style, like this is how it happens. This is how it works. And that's what we did to take this step with Studio 71. Yeah. And the other thing is we also waited where, uh, to find out if we were comfortable with continuing the show and, and able to pull it off weekly. And, you know, we didn't get ahead of ourselves either. And I think that's kind of important to recognize as well is um, when you say like use words like needy or like weird or awkward that usually comes in my experience from people who aren't ready to be helped. Meaning like, yes, when it comes to TCU, okay. If we had asked, I reached out to studio 71, um, you know, after only a couple of episodes or even after only say 10 or what, when did we say we started the Patreon? 14? 14, yeah. You know, maybe they would have been interested. When they're looking at a podcast that's been around for years and has 80 episodes in the can and is hitting, right. you know, that, that weekly episode month after month after month, that's a yeah, way different miss, conversation. It's completely different. Yeah, like uh, it's it's just shockingly different when you have that Look, everybody's got good ideas. I'm going to back up to the idea thing. There are so many good ideas. I bet I see like five or six amazing, perfectly workable ideas every day. People mostly in YouTube talking about them. Oh my God. There is no shortage of outstanding ideas. How many people actually execute them? Close to zero. Very few. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's it's insane how low the execution rate is and then sustaining that. Mm-hmm. I forget the stats, but it's it's staggering that something like 87% of podcasts uh, don't make it past episode 10. Oh, so doing a thing. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, that we purposely, we purposely did the season one thing at something like eight or 10 episodes because it was important to prove that we could just hit that threshold and then keep going. Uh, most people don't. And it's a different conversation. Just like Kevin said, it is a different talk. And you're like, hey, do you want to work with us on episodes 90 to 142 Right. versus here, would you like to help me as I cross my fingers and hope my good idea works? Yeah. <laughs> They're completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's watching those business shows shows that as well, where uh, Shark Tank is a good example of this. Some people come in just with ideas there. Other people come in uh, with three years of of sales. Yeah, you know, and those are people who tend to get uh, they get good investments because it's for a line of credit to change inventory flow. It's to ramp up production. It's for something real in a process that's already moving along. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so different than like I have a great idea for a cool service. Would you like to give me money so I can play with it? Yeah. Yeah. Ideas just aren't really worth a whole lot. It's really the execution and the process. It, what are you investing in? You're investing in nothing. It's an, it's, it's, it's an intangible thing. You have to be able to Everybody's invest in something ideas. tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool to see people in the discord, for example, who are continually working on stuff and, and releasing stuff. And I know who, I know who is better positioned to make it and who's not based on their sustained productivity. And it's not always the people who have the best talent. There are some extremely talented people whose processes are not probably going to lead to the success that they want, even though they're wildly talented. It's like draft picks in sports. Like number one draft picks are always insanely talented. Nobody questions that. But there are reasons why some of them turn into all-stars and some of them are like flamed out and gained 50 pounds and out of the league in two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I immediately thought of uh, sports analogies as well here because I think that's the best example of, of, of what you're talking about because you're right. There was a, just last year, there was a, I don't know how many people listening to this podcast care at all about sports <laughs> or the NFL, but last year there was a first round draft pick uh, an offensive lineman picked by the uh, the, the Tennessee Titans. I th- ah, I can't think of his name right now. Maybe Tom Videoger can figure it out. Tennessee Titans offensive tackle who was cut. He was traded. He played three snaps all year. Okay, this is a first round draft pick. So if anybody doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about, is in, this, the, in the first round of no, the draft no. are the most talented people in the world that year that enter the league, you know, from college to play football. Is this Isaiah Wilson? Isaiah Wilson. Yeah. I, I kept okay. thinking Isaiah the Thomas. Headline, uh, but. The, the headline here is Titans offensive tackle Wilson self-sabotaging NFL career. You don't want a headline like that about your life <laughs> yeah. in the Nashville Post or any newspaper, to be honest. Um, but yeah, apparently he's famous for what 
what Kevin's talking about. Yeah. I, I'm not familiar with this okay, guy. Okay, so I'll try to tell this story as quickly as possible, but it's one of the, the biggest sports busts in the history that I know of, of professional sports. So this dude, Isaiah Wilson, was a first-round draft pick, which is just, you are putting all your chips in on this person for being a great player. You expect this person to be on your team for 10 years, basically. Yes. And anchor that position you draft them for, go to the Pro Bowl, all of that stuff. That's what you're expecting with a first-round pick. All year, okay? Uh, Oh, also, I should say, first-round picks are, are starters, Like year one, almost unequivocally, they start at that position, whether they're a wide receiver, a cornerback or a running back like they're they're going to start, if not game one, then, you know, by game eight, they should be starting because they've been drafted specifically to fill a hole specifically to solve a problem that team has. So, yeah, the odds that they're going to get plugged into that hole straight away are extremely high. Yeah, they've been drafted to be way better than whoever is playing that position currently. (laughs) That's the point, right? That is the point. I'm I'm interested to see if you're going to be able to describe his problems without looking it up because this is a hell of a list. Oh, I don't know them off the top of my head. I don't know anything about this. I was just going to speak in generalities, but what I do know... Well, speak in generalities and then I will machine gun the the list of specifics. Okay, perfect. Uh, So this guy not only didn't start all year, a single game, he played only three or four snaps all year. So, So essentially the guy did not even play, not because he was injured, just because he was such a disaster of a person so that's only the beginning of the story he then gets traded from the titans to the dolphins because the titans are like man we cannot put up with this guy so they trade him to the dolphins and the dolphins cut him like three days later because he had like three obligations and he like skipped one of them and was late for the other two so they were like workouts and team physical it says yeah. He just didn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a physical, like he was late for, and then the workouts, he, he just didn't show up. So they were like, okay, bye. Like this guy has clearly no interest in playing football. So they cut him. So he's out of the league done. Ah. One of the most talented people in the world at, at his yep. job, but just had no interest in doing it and just would rather party and, uh, do anything else in the world other than what he was being asked to do. And now he's he's done. His career is over. When I said that there was this laundry list of specifics, the thing I'm looking at actually only touches on before he was uh, sent from the Titans. So this is like just when he was suspended. At that point, um, see, he debuts, he plays those snaps that Kevin talked about, playing three snaps and then one on special teams. Uh, let's see, received a trespassing warning from Tennessee State University cops during a campus party where he considered jumping off a second story balcony, was involved in two separate car wrecks, one during his September arrest where he was charged with a DUI. Then he does go, uh, yeah, he goes uh, elsewhere and a passenger had acid in her purse, um, fleeing a scene, attempting to elude police. Uh, reckless driving, possession of drug paraphernalia. Uh, yeah, Dolphins gave him a chance. After all of this, 
Mm-hmm. And this is, this is another point, too. It's never too late to get off the island. No matter how much of a ding-dong moron you've been, if you're good at what you do or you're very committed to doing it and getting better, somebody will take a chance on you. Just like the Dolphins did with this absolute nightmare of a man. Uh, he still got a chance. <laughs> yeah. Still got a chance. And that appears and blew <laughs> not it. to have worked out. Immediately. He just didn't show off. <laughs> blew it. Yeah. Immediately. Uh, but yeah, you that execution is it's the same thing again, where you got to decide to do it and then actually follow through in a decent way. It's best if you don't make other people's lives harder. Um, you know, then they tend to like you a bit more and, and want to help. Uh, most people don't do that, but occasionally somebody makes it very hard to help them. Um, but yeah, if you actually are committed to doing the thing, <laughs> there's an endless, endless supply of people and places and platforms and chances we talked about uh with andrew bowser uh onyx the fortuitous about yeah. certain platforms congratulations being a to him on getting the movie funded yeah. which is amazing yeah massive success uh but that was an example where he was on a youtube island yeah and he got off the youtube island by going to tiktok all of a sudden he has a reinvigorated fan base. It's grown and he funds his dream movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is how it works. This is how it plays out. Uh, but you've got to want to do it and kind of kind of be decent about it along the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Kevin, how are we going to blow this Studio 71 contract? That's my question. What are we going to do to get to get kicked off the contract? Are you going to... Well, have a string. No, I have a purse full of acid um, <laughs> that I will. Are you Googling which colleges are close to me so you can get drunk and jump off a balcony? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I, I do want to say real quick that there's like a really a meta conversation going on right now between, you know, what we do on this podcast in terms of the guests that we speak to and, you know, the ways that they're on islands and the ways they get off islands. Um, talking to people in the Discord, you know, our, our listeners who are in the Discord, which if you aren't on uh, or if you aren't in our Discord, like please, please join uh, because we love having conversations with with everybody there. And also just following the trajectory of the podcast itself as we evolve yeah. with this project in particular, you know, over the course of, a couple of years since its inception to, you know, this move that we're making now. Um, there are layers to this onion is all I'm saying of make something mean something. And, and I really hope that people are paying attention to that. Yep. And, you know, we were on an Island that Ben helped us get off. Ben took on some things uh, that we, we really couldn't do. Um, that in a way was, was uh, getting us just to uh, a better place. And then Dan showed up and did some different things uh, and added to it. We've had uh, several people who have helped out with thumbnails uh, from Staffo to Emmy um, at, at different points in time. Like all of these things, this is getting off the island. 
uh, and it happens in so, so many ways. And honestly, everybody is isolated to some degree with something. Nobody, nobody is immune to this. There is some portion of your life where you are on an island. The whole issue of incels and like mental health related to that, that is by definition being put on an island. That's why it's so hard for people. That's why they lose their minds. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's on one to some degree. I realized uh, about a month ago that I was on one in a hobby. Uh, I like I like old military surplus things, you know, 100 years old and older. Uh, I don't know anybody around me who who really knows that stuff well. I can only read so much. It takes a tremendous amount of time to read about all of these different things. You know, what happened with Italy's military and why did it change in 1927? Like, hours and hours and hours. That's fun to some degree. But at a certain point, you have to start talking to other people who know more than you do, and you learn the things a whole lot quicker. Uh, so I reached out to people that I'd bought items from, uh, some some people I hadn't talked to in a long time as well, just talking to them, just basically networking. And I made more progress on my knowledge of, of certain items in probably two weeks than I'd made in the six months prior. Everybody is isolated in some facet of their life. Uh, and it's, it's just so easy. It's so easy not to be isolated. You just have to, you kind of have to have the courage to do it. And I know that's hard sometimes. Like, especially with crea uh, creatives, and and Kevin, you can speak to this because you've done this in a bunch of ways. But is it what's it like to make art of some kind and then throw it out there in a completely vulnerable way in this process of of reversing the isolation? Oh, uh, can you like, be more specific? That, that just sounds like so esoteric. <sighs> Okay. A question. So if I, it, it is, it's kind of general high level, but like my example of this old military stuff, it's easy to say, Hey, I don't know much about like leather ammunition pouches from before world war two. What do you know about that? Nobody's judging me there. Nobody's going to be like, Oh, you don't know a lot about hundred year old pouches. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> There's one guy uh, who would probably be like that, but other than him. There, actually, <laughs> there are probably a bunch. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you make a video. Somebody can say your video sucks. Your painting is not that good. This is amateurish. This is childish. Uh, you're not very talented. Your skills are not amazing. That can happen with creative things. What's that like and how do you... How do you deal with that? Oh, I see. Well, yeah. So I, I, I need you to monologue on this for a minute. I, I, I think it, it really depends, which is a wishy-washy answer. But in, in some ways, sometimes I feel like it's healthy to have a level of self-deprecation and self and be self-critical and say, yeah, like that could be better. Um, and maybe next time, you know, I'll do that differently. I, I, like the other side of that coin is being able to allow it to, to roll off your shoulders and say, yeah, well, you know, I tried my best and it's not perfect, but if you had any idea how things go awry along the way of creating anything, nothing ever is. So, um, I'm comfortable 
with <laughs> like that part of the thing that I'm doing being imperfect. I think the the worst thing that you can do is being a perfectionist and being too precious and never making anything because well then what's the point? I mean that that's just my perspective, but if you're never going to make the thing for other people to see, I mean I had a conversation with a friend of mine years ago who's a great photographer, but he had no he wouldn't post his photographs on Instagram, he wouldn't take them to galleries or coffee shops or he just would do nothing with them. Would just, would would take the photos, they'd either just sit on a hard drive or if he did do a prints uh, uh, did do prints of them, you know, maybe frame them and hang them up in his own apartment, but wasn't getting like artistic fulfillment out of that process. It's one thing, I guess, if you're doing it for yourself and you're happy about that, that's great. I I don't see anything wrong with that. But if you're creating things and you're being like overly precious about them to the point where you never make anything to, to show other people, I just find that depressing especially it's like the opposite of like the make something mean something mantra which is all about putting things out there for other people to enjoy because to me that's the whole point of yeah art is to create something that will allow strangers to and you to connect on a level that you know otherwise might be impossible without the medium that you're creating your art with whether it's music or painting or photography, you know, that's the whole idea is this transcendent level of communication mm-hmm. and interrelating with people. I, it's so hard to talk about this without sounding pretentious, but at no. the same time, it's like, well, what else is it? it, it that's what yeah. it is. So I'm sorry. Like, I know it's this ob- sounds objectively that. Yeah. It sounds kind of philosophical and high level, uh, but honestly, this is the game. This is the game. And, uh, I was, I was thinking as you were talking about that stuff, that a major element here that's part of the creative stuff that's not part of something like the hobby that I was talking about is uh, really getting comfortable with not not being perfect. You mentioned, you mentioned that, but also just plain failing, like recognizing that you're going to make some things that suck. I had a professor uh, when I was 18 or 19 and... I forget what the paper was about. I just know it was about Mediterranean history. And he, from talking to him, he knew that I knew a fair bit about the paper topic. And he just flat out said, I know that you know these things from talking to you, but you're just, you're just not good at writing this. Like your thoughts and your knowledge is not coming across in the writing. You aren't good at this. Uh, that's, that's difficult. You know, I had a, I came from a very small town, very small high school. I, you know, was probably one of the uh, people who are better at writing uh, coming out of my class. All of a sudden, you know, you suck. (laughs) You go from being pretty good at something Mm -hmm. uh, to really not being up to par. And he said that to be very clear about what was going to happen next. Yeah. He said, we're going to get you to a place where you write as well as you think. It's going to take a long time, but we'll get there. And he did that. But he had to be really clear with the diagnosis before <laughs> helping me solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that getting blown up like that felt terrible at the time. 
But at the same time, it, it was incredible. So it's like, okay, it's completely all right to step on a landmine. It's fine as long as you're getting something out of it. Uh, it gives you more perspective about what you need, more knowledge about what you need. I've made a very enjoyable career out of writing sense of all different types. I've spent uh, over 15 years now in strange places and cool places and relaxed, isolated places and uh, in writing and editing and YouTube and like all of this because I completely failed and a guy told me I sucked. <laughs> yeah. None of this happens. None of this happens without that intervention. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I didn't quit when that happened. I didn't curl up and die and say, well, if I'm bad at writing, I should, I should switch majors. I should, you know, go back to math. Then I won't have to deal with being bad at writing. I didn't do that. I got better at it. Right. Uh, and thank God I had that willingness to fail and look stupid and whatever uh, kind of ingrained into me. But it's temporary. And that's kind of how you do get to a high level on things. So all the stuff that Kevin talked about, um, yeah. I think of kudos again. He experimented with some video formats. He absolutely was willing to fail. He had a bunch of videos that didn't do well until they did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to mention that the other day you and I talked about doing sports when we were younger and how that yeah. taught us, you know, not only like the generic stuff you hear about playing sports uh, in terms of like teamwork and cooperation. It's like, okay, that stuff is fine, but I think what was really important was failure, learning that you do, that, that other people are way better than you. Like learning that I will never be able to run faster than that guy right there. That guy is going to beat me in a race 10 times out of 10. And yeah. <laughs> like, that's important to know. Uh, like, I'm, you know, no matter what my mom says about how special and what a great <laughs> runner I am, like Bradley <laughs> over here is going to beat me in, in a race every single time. And I need to get comfortable with that. You know, I need to yeah. get comfortable with uh, getting like a blowout loss in a baseball game or getting yeah. cut from the basketball team. I need to get comfortable with trying stuff and failing and recognizing that, you know, like you, you can either work harder to get better at the thing or you can just try something else and say, hey, you know what? That's valid. Too. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't be spending so much time trying to be a basketball player when I'm tiny and I can't jump right. very well or run very fast. Maybe I mm -hmm. should, you know, pick up the guitar instead and perhaps find that I love playing music a hundred times more than I liked playing basketball. Like Right. That's important. Yeah. It's just being honest about where you're at and, and what you should do. It's not always clear. You know, it's not like from, from what you said about the basketball stuff, that seemed fairly clear because it's not like you were like six feet, seven inches and we're having trouble with coordination. Yeah. Like you weren't like a, a monster of a basketball player. You know, I, I ran track. I wasn't terrible, but I, there's a difference between me and the kids who went to the state 
state meets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there, there's absolutely a ceiling on my ability to run fast. Um, and to get better at that, it would have taken shocking physical conditioning that I wasn't into doing at that time. It wasn't a fit for me to plow through and absolutely make the most of it. I did other stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there's just so much, oh, so much that goes into this. Uh, it's not always clear helping, uh, getting help from other people, networking and stuff. Sometimes they, they know things that you don't see yourself. Um, that's super useful. I had that with certain types of writing stuff. Uh, you know, I had a lot of very lean years because the type of work that I wanted didn't exist. It wasn't so much that I was bad at it as the market did not provide it. I need, I needed somebody to tell me this is not happening because these gigs are not out there in the volume that you need to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank God for that. You know, I, I needed somebody to tell me that. Uh, then all of a sudden it was really clear to me. So, yeah, there's a lot to this stuff. It gets easier over time. Now we were perfectly comfortable. Like, how long was the conversation that we had deciding that we needed to get off the island? Was it five minutes or 10 minutes? Uh, <laughs> like, minutes. Nothing. Seconds. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it truly was like, we need to do this. And then we both say yes <laughs> and, and moved on. 10 years ago, even, we probably drag it out and struggle with it. So we do make some of these parts sound easy, like, oh, you should do X, Y, and Z. It's a lot harder than that when you're kind of starting out on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does get much, much easier. We know when to quit things now. We know when to shut it down. We know when to kill relationships. We know uh, when to slam on the gas. We know when to invest money in something. We know when to hold off uh, and pull money. Like this comes, it comes, but you got to start to get pretty good at it. You've got to just plain get experience with it. And I would encourage anybody who's listening to this, who does anything at all creative, or even has an interest like Jeff and the baby gang is bonkers about hot sauce. Mm-hmm. This man consumes hot sauce to a degree that that is unhealthy. If his health insurance company knew what he did to his body with hot sauce, they would drop him. <laughs> I have complete faith in that. <laughs> uh, but he's incredibly knowledgeable about hot sauces, about all the peppers that go into them and who grows them and you know, how many uh, Scoville units this thing is. It's, it's amazing. Well, you know, he goes to, uh, events about the peppers and stuff like that. You know, he's talked about them before COVID, um, even with that kind of networking, like I'm, I'm sure there's still more that, that he can do to get further in the, the pepper circles. Now, I'm trying to get there with with nut trees. I've talked about nut farming. Well, that's not something I have a lifetime of experience with. So I have to weasel my way into knowing more and tapping wisdom from people who who know how to nut a lot better than I do. How do you, how do you get off? Say. How do you get off Nut Island? It's actually very very easy because the Cornell Cooperative Extension is a wonderful resource. This is out of Cornell. Uh, university in New York. They have such a, a, a sophisticated agriculture 
and farming operation through Cornell. What does that and they mean? Spread it to, you can just contact them? They'll give you advice? Oh, yeah. And I've taken courses from them. Oh. Yeah. I mean, as far back as maybe I know, I continued the course when I went to India. So we're talking 2014. I started a, an online course with uh, Cornell Small Farms. Um, and then went to India and finished it. And that was seven years ago. So yeah, like anybody can take those. Can, can so you hire get, a nut intern? Yeah. There, <laughs> there is so many people who consult on elements of farming. It's, it's shocking, uh, how many people are out there for something as weird as hazelnuts. Like literally everything has a ton of avenues available. So Isn't just that start. What Nutella is? Uh, hazel. Yeah. 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 That's hazelnut and chocolate mix. Yeah. Yeah, the machinery to make, uh, basically make Nutella is more expensive than you'd think. Uh, a couple things have to go into that the from taber. safely roasting the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the taber. <laughs> but yeah, whether you're into nuts or peppers or YouTube videos or, uh, you know, uh, we, we have people who have breweries who listen to this show. Um, we, that's right. We that's talk something about I would love lab. to do. And I always forget. And it's just like, it's brew my own beer. They have those kits that you can get. And I have yeah. friends who have done it and it seems awesome. That seems like a good hobby, but I don't know. Get off the Island. Start talking to people. Start to, you should, you should message, uh, you should, uh, message the, uh, brewery. It's just like a time uh, in issue. Chicago. It's like, I don't have, yeah, just be like, Hey, tell me more. I don't have, you got five minutes. No, but doing the actual thing. Oh. Yeah. Dan says he's made a celery tasting IPA by accident. It was bad. Oh. That's what happens, Dan. <laughs> Gross. I hate <laughs> celery. <laughs> when you uh, take the wrong route off the island, you wind up with celery beer. <laughs> yes. So, Let's... yeah, I'm excited about, uh, even though this is kind of big top top level stuff, it's really important. We don't talk about the basics enough. Um, and this is a big one. This is kind of what gets everything going at every stage of your career, whether you're just about to make videos, just about to break into the arts, whether you're that mini kudos clone who's started and needs to ramp it up, whether you're us who's done 85, 86 episodes and needs to go further. It's all kind of the same and we all have to do it. Yeah. That's the theme. Get off the island. Yep. Get off the island. Get off the island. Learn how to nut. Do we have, uh, do we have questions, Kevin? Do we have like, look at that. Not a single person has done it. Can you believe that? Well, we didn't ask to be fair. No, no, we didn't ask. And they know everything about uh, us. They do. Since Dojangles has popped in, we mentioned last week, we were talking about birthdays and how evidently Everybody in the Create Unknown community's parents had a shocking amount of sex centered on the, the 4th of July holiday each year. <laughs> so we had like 17 birthdays in the same week, which uh, is weird. Talk about fireworks. Uh, absolutely. Well, Dojangles has a birthday tomorrow, which when this drops, it will be like five days later. Uh, but, but she's in that crowd too. So Dojangles, talk about, ask your parents about what they did on 4th of July and year before you were born <laughs> she's so been let's get some answers disgusted <laughs> let's get some get some answers and polaroids out of this get to the truth yeah it's a funny thing how disgusting that is 
It's pretty horrible. It is. It's horrifying. There must be some yeah. evolutionary basis for that. Because there's it, it really is it, strange though. It's a disgust yeah. mechanism thing. It's like <laughs> it, an inborn disgust mechanism to just be revolted by the idea of your parents being intimate with each other. We've got Trev coming up too at the end of the month. So we have this string. This is a, an entire community of of, uh, of spring babies. I think there's a single person born in October in this whole listenership. Wow. But yeah, I think we're good. Uh, we can extend you a small mercy. You can get back. You can hook the IV up again. You can get the morphine drip going to continue your recovery. I know, I know. When we, for anybody who doesn't know, when we, before we started recording, the question was how long I would last. Well, <laughs> I lasted until about 15 minutes ago and about 15 yep. minutes ago. My eyes started to blur and go squirrely and uh, I am tagging out. But I will say, I'm so glad to have this vaccine and to have not gotten COVID because this has been yes. not fun. I don't remember the last time I was sick, period. Uh, I can't recall it. Oh, VidCon. Yeah. The last time you were sick, sick was Yeah, but that sick. was food poisoning. That wasn't an, a, right. an illness. That's, that's weird. That's true. Um, I do want to throw one thing because Dan mentioned it. Uh, we we do want to announce the slate of guests who are coming up um, next Wednesday. This is uh, Wednesday the fourteenth. We have Inside a Mind who has been requested many, many, many times over the last two years in this server. I'm so glad that we're finally getting to talk to him. Then we have Sarah Dici. We have Oki. Oki's weird stories. That is. I'm really excited for that one. Uh, and then Austin Weber, which is a very interesting, cool music story. Uh, so we've got Inside of Mind, Sarah Dietschy, Oki, Austin Weber coming straight away for the next month. We're pretty pumped about it. Yeah. And also, before I forget, um, I have been working with an artist on a couple of Sleep Warrior t-shirts for the book that I've been working on for a million years now called Sleep Warrior. Um, and those designs are almost done. So please follow me on Twitter at Sleep Warrior if you're interested in checking out those designs. I will be posting a poll soon for you to vote on which design uh, you're more interested in. But again, thanks to all of our patrons. Thanks to all of our patrons hanging out live here on Discord. We're here every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. and we are we are evolving this podcast thanks to all of you. It is evolving. It is evolving. We are the little Pikachus turning into whatever Pikachu turns into. I don't know. I don't play Pokemon. Thanks to everybody, like Kevin said. Thanks to Electro Voice for making us sound sexy and wise. Wise and wisdom and sex appeal are what the RE20 mic primarily gives your voice. And what we're based uh, upon. And what our fandom yeah, is that's all about. Right. That's what this podcast is. Yeah. Uh, and and again, to Studio 71 for taking a lot of time uh, to work over the details with us, craft a thing that that's going to work. And we're excited for 52, 52 more episodes. No skips. That's you right. ready for this, Kev Lieb? Yeah. Coming your way. Coming your way. Okay. <laughs> Pikachu turns into Raichu. Thank you. Raichu. Thank yeah. you, patrons. Even I knew that. How could you not know that? I, even I knew Raichu. You know what? I just don't like Pokemon. 
Just, oh my God. I don't, I don't pay attention you to it. You know how it. many people are mashing their unsubscribe button right now? I know. You know what I like? How could you do I like this? Shin Megami Tensei. That's what I like. If anybody knows what that, I don't is, know what that is, that's Kevin's Pokemon, Shin Megami Tensei. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go back to the couch. <laughs> I'm cool. barely awake. Uh, see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to the Create Unknown. We'd like to extend a huge thank you and congratulations to the Tots and Dumpster crew who save tiny little lives every month. A tremendous shout out to our elite baby gang. Trevstad, Boromir, Botdogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, and Dojangles. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefisanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Monaghan, Ryan Kinder, Sheep, and Maruko. Thank you as well to our producer and editor, Ben Webster, and to our media manager, Dan Yosua. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. 